Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Part five by Sea Adventure. Chapter twenty three. The Ebb Tide Runs. A coracle, as I am ample reason to know before I have done with her, was a very safe boat for a person of my height and weight, both buoyant and clever in seaway. But she was the most cross grained life-size craft to manage. Do as you please, she always made more leeway than anything more else. Turning round and round was a manoeuvre she was best at. Even Ben Gunn himself was admitted she was queer to handle till you knew her way. Certainly you did not know her way. She turned in every direction but the one about to go. Most part of the time we were broadside on. I am very sure I never could have made it ship at all, but for the tide. By good fortune, paddle as I pleased. Tide was still sweeping me down. And there lay the Hispania, right in the fairway, hardly to be missed. First she loomed before me like a blot of something yet darker, yet blacker than darkness. Then her spars and hull began to take shape. Next moment, as it seemed for the further, I went the brisker groove of current for the ebb. I was alongside a hussar and lay and laid hold. Hussar was taut as a bowstring. The current so strong she pulled upon her anchor. All round the hull in the blackness, a rippling current bubbled and chattered like a little like a little mountain stream. One cup from my silly gully, sea gully, Banyan would go humming down the tide. So far, so good. But next occurred to my recollection. A taut husker suddenly cut it is a, da- a thing as dangerous as king horse. Ten to one, but I was so foolhardy as to cut the husbandia from her anchor. I and the coracle would be not clean at the water. It brought me to full stop. Your fortune no again particularly favoured me. I should have to abandon my design. The light airs which had begun blowing to the southeast. And south, hauled around after nightfall into the southwest. A while I was meditating, Puff came and caught the Spaniard and full still right up in the current. To my great joy, I felt the heavens had slackened in my grasp, the hand by which they held. It dipped for a second underwater. For that, I made my mind up, took out my gunny, opened it with my teeth, cut one strand, it another with another. The vessel swung only by two. But I lay quiet, waving the sever these last. Strain I should be once more, laden by a breath of wind. All this time I heard the sound of loud voices from the cabin. But say, to say truth, my mind had been so entirely taken up the other thoughts that I had scarcely given in. However, then, when I had nothing else to do, began to pay more heed. Well, then I recognised for the coxswain, his or hands, had been Flynn's gunner in the former days. Ever, of course, my friend, with a red nightcap. Red nightcap. Both men were plainly, plainly the worse of drink. Both men were plainly the worse of drink. They were still drinking, for even while I was listening, one of them, broken, drunken cry, opened the stern window and threw out something. It divided, vined. It to be an empty bottle. But they were not only tipsy, 
They're playing at the roof furiously angry. Oaths flew like hailstones every now and then. There came such explosions as I thought was sure to end in blows. But each time the quarrel passed off, the voices grumbled. Now for a while, until the next crisis began, came, it turned past away without result. And sure I could see the glow of the great campfire burning warmly for the shores of side trees. Someone was singing a dull old droning sailor song with a droop and a quiver at the end of every verse. Seemingly no end of it all, but patience of the singer had heard it on the voyage more than once and remembered these words. But one man of her crew alive, while went to sea at seventy-five. I thought it was a ditty rather too dolefully appropriate for company, which met much cruel losses in the morning. Indeed, from what I saw, all these barracaneers were as callous sea they sailed on. Last breeze came, the schooner sidled, and drew nearer in the dark. I felt the horse saw slacken once more. With good tough effort, cut the last fibres through. Breeze as a laugh had but little action on the coracle. As I was instantly swept against the bow of the same time the schooner began to turn round on the hill, spinning softly, slowly, end for end, across the current, I wrote like a field freed, by expected very moment to be swamped. And since I found I could not push the cog directly off, I now shoved stern. stern. At length I was clear of my dangerous neighbour, just as I gave the last impulsion, my hands came across like cold that was trailing overboard, across the stern bolt woods, instantly I grasped it. Why should I have done so? I hardly say it was a first mere instinct, but once I had it in my hands, I found it fast. Chris began to get an upper hand, determined that I should have one look through the cabin window. I pulled it one up. In hand on the hand of gold, when I judged myself in the earth, enough rose of the rise, risk to about half my height, and thus commanded a roof, a slice of interior cabin. This time, the schooner, a little esque consul, was gliding pretty swiftly with the water. Indeed, we really fetched up level the campfire. The ship was turking, as Versailles say, loudly trilling. Innumerable ripples and incessant withering splash, weltering splash, until I got my eye above the window sill. I could not but comprehend why the watchman had taken no alarm. One glance, however, was significant. It was all. It was only one glance. A dust tape from an unsleashed skiff. His showy hands and his companion locked together in a deadly wrestle. Each hand over the other's front. I dropped upon the fault again. None too soon fired the near overboard. I could not see nothing but a moment. These two fierce crimson faces playing together under the smoking lamp. I shut my eyes and let them grow. More, once more familiar with the darkness. The endless ballad that comes at an end at last. Holding the missive company about this campfire broken into the chorus I'd heard so often. Fifteen men of the deaf men chest. Yo ho ho, the bottle of rum. Drink to the devil. 
Straight to the and I'm done for the rest. Yo ho, and borrow I was just thinking how busy drink and devil were at the very moment of Kevin's moaning. But a surprise was suddenly lynched to the coracle. Same moment she yawned, sharply seemed to change of course. Be in the meantime, strangely increased. Her eyes at once, all round me were little ripples, combing over with sharp, bristling sound, slightly fluorescent. The pony herself, Few yards in those wake, though still being whirled along, seemed to stagger across course. The stars bath tossed a little against the blackness of the late night. Nay, as I looked longer, I made sure she also was wheeling to the south wall. The gloves on my shoulder and my heart jumped against my ribs. There, right behind me, the glow of the campfire, the character turned at the right angles, weaving around along with it all tall scorner. A little dancing coracle with quicker, ever quickening, ever bubbling higher, ever muttering louder. It went spinning through the narrows of for the open sea. Suddenly the schooner in front of me gave a one yawn. <coughs> Turning to forward, perhaps through twenty degrees, and almost at the same moment, one shout followed another from on board. I could hear fear of feet pounding on the companion ladder. I knew that two drunkards had at last been interrupted, interrupting their quarrel and awakened to a sense of their disaster. I lay down flat the bottom of the wretched stiff, devoutly recommended my spirit to its maker. At the end of the straits, I made sure we must we must fall into some bar of raging breakers, where all my troubles would be ended speedily. Now I could, perhaps better die, I would not bear to look upon my feet as it my fate as it crouched. So I must have laid for hours. I didn't beat him to and fro. Pullabillas now again wetted with flying sprays and never ceasing to expect death and a lark neck plunge. Gradually weariness grew upon me, and numbness occasional super fell upon my mind, even in the midst of my terrors, till sleep at last supervened in a sea tossed corgal. I laid and dreamed of home and the old Admiral Ben Bowes.